Hello, and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling, and I am on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive, and open their imagination. Basically, I want to know how people find creative solutions at home, work, play, and everything in between. And my goal for this podcast is that by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways to summon creativity whenever you need it. Now, today I'm speaking with Noah Healy, who is a professional data scientist and a recre- <laughs> recreationally, he's a mathematician, just for fun. <laughs> and now if you're anything like me, uh, you probably never thought of maths as a creative field. So I'm definitely keen to find out what it means to be a mathematician just for fun and uh, discover where the creativity lies in that field. So welcome, Noah. Thanks for having me here, Abby. So before we start, I kind of want to get a gauge from you because on this podcast, we've had so many different people on here and it's meant that we've had dozens of different definitions of what creativity is. So before we jump into our conversation, I'd love to know what is creativity to you and yeah, what does, what does it mean to be creative? Uh, well, for me, creativity is the production of something not seen before, uh, and I I consider that at a categorical level. So there's a there's a certain creativity in craft. Uh, every time you say throw a cup on a potter's wheel, that specific cup hasn't been produced before, but you can shuffle a deck of cards and produce a sequence of of cards that probably will never be repeated again in our universe. Um, so that's, that's not, not creative, but not actual creativity from my lights. Uh, but the, the bringing forth of an entirely new idea, um, even where it has to build on things, that's, that's creativity to me. And in terms of what it means, uh, I think, I think it's sort of, it's a, it's a miracle in the palm of your hand. Um, you know, like the we live surrounded by things that were brought forth from just ideas and imagination, uh, and and we can add more to that list, and it's amazing. Wow! So, you, do do you think that um, creativity is expensive? Um, I think yeah, actually. Um, the, the there's certain aspects. The the specific thing that I like to pursue is is inexpensive economically but there's the it it takes a lot of time and effort for me i'm i'm not as smart as the smartest people who have ever lived um and societally uh there there is a cost um uh you have to you have to step back from just staying sort of at the coal face or, or plowing the furrow and and taking the time and and taking the the leap of faith that is imagination uh and that's that's a cost um and i'm very happy to live in a time when many many more people are are available to have that cost and and you know quite specifically i am capable of of generating enough free revenue that i've been able to to carve that time out 
uh, without, you know, starving myself to death in the process. <laughs> well, that's good. No one, no one wants you to be starving to death. <laughs> but tell me, what is uh, why is creativity important to you? Um, I think I think it's sort of foundational. It's it's a big universe. We have we have a small piece of it. It's a big planet. We have a small piece of that. Um, there's there's so much that's possible and available. Um, and while amazing things can happen at our level and at levels that we've been at before, um, each of those things is is leaving aside things that we know for a fact could have been created that would have made them so much more impressive. Um, one of the ones that I, I typically trot out is uh, block and tackle, which was invented by Archimedes. That means that the the great wonders of the ancient world, from uh, you know the pyramids which still stand to not one of the official ones, but things like the Great Wall of China, were built by people who didn't actually understand what block and tackle was, which is one of the most powerful simple machines that human beings ever created. And for over half of recorded history, people didn't know how to do that. But another fun one I've thought of recently uh, is hot air balloons. The enabling technologies to have allowed people to have constructed hot air balloons uh, probably predate writing by two to 4,000 years. We, we don't have precise timing on when mm. high fat linen was, was generated, but hot air balloons weren't actually created until the Montgolfier brothers, I can't remember which one of the two of them it was, uh, watched clothes drying above a fire and noticed that they billowed upwards uh, in the smoke and decided to build a very large drying dress, more or less, uh, and, and demonstrate that you could you could float above the ground. Um, and this is a technology that Ramses or Tut or uh, early Chinese emperors could have had, but certainly didn't. Wow. Okay. So, cre so creativity is kind of helping people make sense of the world, but also make leaps and bounds forward. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a very real sense in which, um, the chaos of the universe contains vastly more than we can be aware of. And by finding information that makes sense that we can interact with, we, we are leveling ourselves up in, in a way that's very deep and, and difficult to fully comprehend all the, all the aspects of, um, and that, that gets into sort of my passion around computational mathematics, because computational mathematics is essentially about the treatment of information as a what's known as a first class object. So information about how information can be processed, which you can then use on the information that's doing the processing um, and and create these things that are 
sort of at the same time daydreams, but also machines that can do things. Uh, and that is that is effectively what the computer is. A, a the computer, the computers that we surround ourselves with, are small manifestations of the partial concept of this general or universal computing machine. Um, uh, a imaginative system that is capable of encapsulating all of the possibilities of imagination and which like a, a jinn from you know ancient myth will do anything that you tell it to do but only specifically and exactly what you tell it to do wow <laughs> i feel like maths is kind of the ultimate problem solver for you if if i'm re reading between the lines there <laughs> it helps you make sense of that but then apply it it only does what you tell it to do how do you know what to tell it to do is this where this comes in when you're noodling around with your maths you're like how about this and it, just applying different strategies that's that's the basic challenge um so to find ways to hook these things into our actual experience uh we have to have actual experiences um so i i read and have been reading extensively for quite some time uh and actually you know have jobs here and there through throughout my life um and have done some traveling not much i'm kind of a homebody for the most part uh, i still live in the town i was raised in but um once again uh it comes back to sort of that that there's a big universe so you can you can concentrate on basically any any piece of it and get a an incoming stream of information that's that's bigger and deeper and wider than you can possibly hope to to contain uh and so you can take these these sense impressions and inspirations uh back into your problem space and then see see what happens so um for example my major project is uh cdm this system for doing price discovery i was initially thinking about uh sort of consensus or fairness uh on networks so people who have children might be familiar with the cake sharing problem if you've got two kids you get one of them to cut the last piece of cake and you get the other one to pick and they both then have to agree that the outcome is fair because if it's not fair it's their own fault um <laughs> Very practical, yes. <laughs> yes. As it happens, there are fair division algorithms um, for dividable objects that work for any number of people. Unfortunately, those algorithms uh, are what is known as exponential time. Um, so if you have three kids, it's a lot more complicated. If you have four kids, it's much, much, much more complicated than the three kids example. Um, if you have five kids, they're gonna they're gonna be in college before they figure out how to divide the cake. Like it's it gets bad fast, and um, and so this is this is obviously a an important general problem, um, particularly as we're cranking up the amount of things that we plug into the internet. Um, 
And so I thought it'd be an interesting thing to think about ways that you could negotiate a common interest in in these sorts of fair outcomes. And I came up with an approach and then I was asked a question and it occurred to me that I could uh, add recursion to the approach. And recursion is when a system can refer back to its own behavior as part of its operation. And it it makes systems much harder to think about and much more powerful, which is like catnip to me, basically. Like that's that's exactly what I love thinking about. So I was like, well, that's a fascinating problem. Let's let's dive into that and see what happens. Um, and what happens, it turns out, when you think about that specific set of things, is a brand new kind of marketplace falls out of the the, the system at you. And that marketplace is more efficient than the ones we actually use. Um, and that's that's something that's essentially been sitting there for people to figure out and communicate to each other um, forever. Uh, you know, uh, this is this as far as I can tell, math is a is sort of a feature of the universe. So human beings innovating fire talking around the camp could have come up with this idea but there's no record of it anywhere so that's that's creativity <laughs> so are you saying that there's limitless amounts of maths problems out there that we can find and solve and work on oh beyond beyond your imagination uh, quite literally in fact there's there's math problems about that specific issue of, of, <laughs> very meta yes about the the scope of imagination um there's it's there's something based around computational mathematics called the uh mathematicians uh, uh infinite employment theorem and there's a number of infinite employment theorems actually and basically what this theorem says is that uh there's no system that we could conceivably deploy that would be able to get to all the interesting math problems and so anyone that wants to sort of break loose and throw their hat into the ring there's there's low-hanging fruit somewhere and you might be the person that picks it up <laughs> and do you get to name it if you come up with a new maths problem um in general yes uh if if you come up with something that's really uh awesome uh then then usually the community will wind up naming uh the conjecture or the proof after you um in some cases uh this has led to a certain amount of confusion uh because certain superstar mathematicians like uh Leonard Euler uh, who's basically famous for having a name that is pronounced differently from the way it's spelled, um, <laughs> created so much mathematics that uh, there's so many things that are named after him that uh, many people actually get them confused with one another. Um, so uh, <laughs> that that becomes that becomes quite the challenge. Surely there is a mathematical formula that could help that situation in the naming of new, of new maths formulas uh yeah yeah well um uh, that's that's not something that's currently excited the the community but maybe someday 
<laughs> I've got an opportunity here. I can just see it. <laughs> so tell me, let's jump back a tiny little bit. So this is, so doing this type of maths, this is not your regular nine to five job, is it? You just, you have an interest in this outside of work. Uh, yeah, yeah. So typically when I'm actually employed, it's doing data analysis or programming. Um, and while programming has some relationship to computational mathematics, uh, many actual valuable programming uh, involves more or less plumbing, as it were, um, which again is is a craft and a respectable thing, but not not a deep creative object. So uh, the if you have incoming information, um, say web requests that need to be served at some particular rate, then you you have a a basic engineering problem. You need to be able to pull in these things, process them at speed, you know, carve off the information that's that's appropriate. It involves a certain amount of measuring what's going on and sort of figuring out what parts are are slow, what parts are fast, and then figuring out how to use well-worn libraries that exist to to hook in to get them to operate the way it's supposed to be but even there there's a certain amount of design that exists that that overlaps pretty heavily with the kinds of the kinds of things that i find actually interesting uh, mm -hmm. in terms of data analysis again there's so many different areas of mathematics uh, these days uh, the ai approaches are largely dominating data analysis uh, but they usually require fairly large scale sets. And so many people are operating small or medium sized companies and don't really generate millions or billions of records on a daily basis. Um, and if you're generating tens or hundreds of records, then techniques that go back hundreds of years are actually not merely sufficient, but actually better on average uh, because they're easier and cheaper to to deploy. Mm, so is that why is that why you've sort of strayed into maths outside of hours because your regular work is kind of logical and procedural and it's very set as to what you do is is maths your chance going to let loose? Not really. So um math is something that has always come relatively easy to me compared to most people uh and so i learned quite a lot of it in school um but i would have more fun reading books or uh or you know taking walks through the woods or the mountains and and getting some daydreaming in that way uh but once i became a professional programmer um my my sort of engineering training kicked in and uh, we'd had some ethics classes on the concept of what a professional is. And a professional is someone that has mastered a body of knowledge that allows them to make decisions on behalf of others for others. And so you have to master a body of knowledge. And so now that I had this sort of engineering-ish job, I was like, well, I need to master this body of knowledge so that I actually am capable of doing it. And in doing that mathematical study, that's where I ran across this, this genie in a box, you know, uh, 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 characteristic 
of computational mathematics. And that's where the this sort of, you know, having fun daydreaming type of type of pastime linked in hard to this this actual engineering result where your daydreams could be turned into reality by the machines and the machines would show you other things that were the results of the daydreams you were having and and this kind of entirely new world opened up so um it was it was something that i kind of fell into uh rather than than being my release wow so you're having you're having all these thoughts about various things and then maths is your way of being able to actually enact that uh yeah yeah it's it's a language that allows you to express ideas in much more effective ways and so without that language you would never really even be able to think these ideas um one of the classic examples is how sort of bad rome was at math uh because roman numerals basically are terrible um adding <laughs> roman numerals isn't so bad multiplying roman numerals is an enormous pain in the neck dividing roman numerals is is basically an an object of torture um whereas our positional notation that we use these days is is much more natural for those types of operations and there's other ways of thinking about and representing numbers that are even more effective at doing those things um so there's there's a few different sort of angles going on where you're attempting to develop language to allow you to think about things but that language development is itself embedded in this language of helping you to think about things so as you get better at developing these these new language ideas you get better at being better at developing these new language ideas <laughs> and you find yourself deep deep into the weeds very very rapidly <laughs> yes how do you how do you do that you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper it's a it's a whole cyclical thing how do you know when to just stop is there uh, an well, to, to these things uh sleep food um oh. you know there's the, the body will stop you at some point and uh and that's usually what what happens <laughs> So you said you like you have loved maths like your entire life. Did you did you always think it was a creative thing, or is it the daydreaming that has made you realize that? I really didn't. Um, I have have quite the bone to pick pedagogically. I was extremely fortunate in in sort of my schooling. I was exposed to enormous amounts of math, but I was still exposed to math as a, sort of a series of tricks if you will um so you know this is this is how you count this is the order that numbers are in and oh by the way now that you know that numbers are in this order here's these shortcuts like addition and multiplication and then there's these you know division and fractions and and you keep building out and out from there um and each of these things uh whether set theory or geometry or probability uh were sort of presented as mechanical objects it was just like 
this is this is how the world exists these are how these things are related so it was like chemistry or physics it's just like you know if you if you stick some of this and some of the the blue powder and some of the purple powder and then you heat it up then then this happens and so that's like how you add um and that was that was cool i mean i was i was very good at it it was very easy for me to do these things um but the idea that there would be like different kinds of addition um uh i actually recall uh i believe i was actually exposed to negative numbers but uh in in first grade we were given an exercise set that involved uh subtracting i believe it was seven from five and i wrote down negative two and they marked it wrong um because they were teaching first graders and so they weren't going to talk about negative numbers and uh and so <laughs> There was a, a bit of a disconnect where where you know the the boundaries were very much in place and it was all presented as a set of boundaries that these are these are exactly what you can do and that's precisely what what comes out and that's fascinating in its own right that there is this exactness that's possible um, certainly children don't have a lot of experience with exactness and and precision in their ordinary day-to-day lives and i certainly didn't i'm still a bit of a slob to this day uh but but that that creative aspect didn't really sort of exist for me uh and and that broke a little bit when we got into geometric proofs um it broke a little bit more when i started studying computer programming um but it didn't really shatter until i sort of wrapped my head around uh exploratory mathematics uh and that would have been by the time i was in college yeah wow yeah because i mean i suppose my schooling was similar not the five minus seven which was what was the answer if it wasn't minus two (laughs) by the way uh the answer was there's no answer Oh, 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 there you go. <laughs> no, but I feel like certainly um, the schooling that I had in a few different countries, I actually went to school in three different countries. It was always that maths is logical, it's definitive, there's one right answer and there's one right way of doing things. And that's the opposite of creativity. It never sort of crossed my brain that it could be a creative pursuit but I feel as though if you do consider it to be uh, problem solving, problem solving is a very creative pursuit. And that's essentially what you're saying there, isn't it? Well, problem solving, yes, is essentially a very creative pursuit. And and I, although, again, for my standards of creativity, problem solving doesn't necessarily hit the, the high notes because the problem would have to exist. And so to some extent thing that you're dealing with is is still sort of just existing within its 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 scope um so you create the problem then solve the problem (laughs) yeah 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 that might be more where the creativity lies but within (laughs) mathematics um there are these these facts about ideas that um in particular in the last two centuries uh as as the tools have become more and more sophisticated and some of the things that have been thinking about it more and more abstract um that are shocking and surprising um uh 
things things like uh, the 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 quintic. So many people are familiar with the quadratic formula. If you have an algebra problem that with second degree equations, there's a straightforward way you can plug in the coefficients of the equation and and pop out what the the roots, the zeros of the equation are. Uh, as it happens, there's a cubic formula. It's a lot more complicated. There's a quartic formula, fourth power. It's a lot more complicated than the cubic formula. And for a while, people were looking for the next, the fifth power one. They assumed it would be very, very complex, but they were checking it out. Um, it turns out that there is no formula in fifth for in fifth powers. Uh, you have to use other much more powerful techniques and for five and all higher powers because of because of the symmetries of the patterns of the roots that are possible in the complex plane um it's not possible for there to be enough information in the in a set of six numbers to to narrow that down to five answers and and that's true at every level so there's for a hundred degree polynomial you'd have 101 numbers of information that's that wouldn't contain enough information to tell you what the outcome is supposed to be wow okay this is getting so complex and i i feel as though you know is it important for you to for people to feel like maths is creative I I think I think that would have a lot of value because of the technology and the tools that exist today. Um, that because we have computers and because we use them so poorly, or in some cases not really at all, uh, the I it looks to me like there's a lot of this low hanging fruit lying around. There's 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 got to be a lot of Montgolfier brothers out there that could just, you know, notice, oh, you know, when I do this ordinary thing with with computational technology, obviously it would be possible to no longer have to some very important part of human society that takes up a lot of time and effort and whatever, <laughs> because it's just like, we could just, we can just slip the bonds of earth and float in the sky now. Um, <laughs> And I don't know what those things are, but I can't imagine that they're not there because nobody knew any of this stuff, you know, three weeks ago, basically. Like, the, this is all very, very new. And yeah. so having a lot more human minds looking at and getting curious and throwing themselves into this particular deep end strikes me as, as a very sensible uh, uh, way so let our imaginations loose. Yeah. I mean, because all of this is so complex, it's hard to even comprehend what you're talking about half the time because it's so theoretical, right? And you can't put your hands on it necessarily. It's not tangible to me anyway. Uh, that perhaps is like a PR approach to rebrand maths as a creative pursuit. It, it will engage more people in it and thus we'd be able to solve more problems in the world faster uh i i would hope so um and in particular the problem that might be most important to solve is to to deal with the language um and and work on some of these issues so 
communication is hard in its own right. Um, but we now have the mathematics of information, which is one of the key parts of computational mathematics, uh, to talk about language. Um, and there are some very powerful ideas there that are not part of the general discussion about how language and communication is structured. Um, sadly, most of that has been dominated by the marketing department, which is mostly about did it sell product good? <laughs> did it not sell product bad? Um, which isn't entirely unimportant, but there are there are other things that you can do with it. So um, that's that's something that I I think is is part of that fertile ground is finding ways to think about how to visualize or or conceptualize and in in most important fact communicate a common understanding of abstract ideas um, to get people on the same page because there have been uh, a few um, at least half a dozen that i'm aware of projects that where internet scale interested parties got involved in a mathematical proof and and the progress is is pretty considerable um one of the more famous ones there's something called the twin primes conjecture so uh Going back to Euclid, we've had a well-known proof that there's an infinite number of prime numbers. Prime numbers have the property that, that the only whole number that divides them wholly is themselves, and one, of course, because one divides all the numbers. So two, three, five, seven, so on. Um, some primes, and the early ones are sort of close together enough that we don't really count them, but primes like 11 and 13, primes like 17 and 19, uh, primes like 41 and 43 are only two apart from each other. And so they're known as twin primes. And we don't know whether or not there's an infinite number of twin primes. We know that they keep showing up as far as we can check, but you know, obviously we can't check very far from an infinite standpoint. Um, and it turns out that it's a very hard problem to think about. Essentially zero progress was made up until the like, 2010s or maybe maybe it was back in the aughts um so this this math professor whose wife had a job out of state and so he said he had a lot of time to think for himself uh came up with a proof that there were in fact an infinite number of primes that were separated by no more than it was something like a few million um <laughs> which might not sound like much, but nobody had ever made any progress on this problem at all in the thousands of years that it had been proposed. And he had the sort of the very first stake in the ground. Yeah. Well, an internet collaboration of thousands of people took his approach and and did the work of chasing down all the you know, screw tightenings and and doing all the the computational pieces and got that number down into the thousands um, about a month after he published his his paper. Wow! Uh, and so there's there's a lot of prospects for wide scale collaboration if people can have a common understanding and interest in some of these abstract problems.
Mm, yeah. Well, many hands may like word, right? And uh, I, I guess it's just so hard for people to understand because the numbers you were talking about there are so big that you almost, you can't even count them. And that's why you couldn't understand these things, right? And so people, oh, so yeah. people, have, people have no frame of reference for, most people would have no frame of reference for the scale of these numbers and the complexity of all these theorems and formulas and whatnot. So there I mean, are. There are people who work in areas, uh, this isn't sort of my thing, but there are people who work in areas of figuring out numbers that are so big that they have no reference except themselves. <laughs> See, that, that, that is it. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? But no, I agree. I agree. I feel like it is something that we should talk about more because it's obviously it maths have so so many applications across all of our universe and understanding and taking us to the next level that why not have more people involved, you know? And well, maybe this podcast will be that step is just to lifting the veil on maths a little bit more. <laughs> Hopefully so. <laughs> uh, Noah, I want to um Thank you so much for joining me today. I really uh, enjoyed our complex chat. Thank you. Yeah, this was a lot of fun for me too. <laughs> um, and I also want to say uh, thank you to everyone who's tuned in to Creativity Uncovered today. Uh, I hope this this episode has inspired you to pick up a little maths and uh, that it helps you summon creativity the next time you need it. If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.